If there's one thing I've learned, it's that most humans get scared to try new things. Everyone has a hurdle, everyone has an edge, but the beauty of life comes when you push right up against that edge. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Britt Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. Hey everyone, did you know that this week is Britain Co.'s 10-year anniversary? That's right, we've been building this company for women to be their most creative and courageous selves ever since 2011, which, yep, means we go way back to a time before Zoom, TikTok, and crypto ruled our lives. As a matter of fact, some of our listeners have been with us every step of the way. So to you all, I want to say thank you for joining and sticking with us on this wild ride. To celebrate this very special milestone, I wanted to share a replay of the infamous story of how I built Britain Co. with my co-founder, Angelica Temple. Stay tuned for the full juicy story along with some fresh insights and commentary from yours truly. Now, on to the show. If you've ever wondered about what goes into starting a business, this episode is for you. Today, I am bearing it all and spilling the tea about how I built Britain Co. with my co-founder, Angelica Temple. In this candid chat, we'll share how we navigated the highs and lows of entrepreneurship, the key to bouncing back from failure, and how to keep nurturing your entrepreneurial spirit. Listen in, it's going to be a good one. Hi, Ange. Welcome back to the show. Oh my gosh. I mean, it feels like it's been a century, but it's only been a couple months. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> been like a month, but it's fine. We we missed each other so soon. So Ange was obviously the co-host of this podcast with me for a while. And then at the end of December, she was no longer the co-host and I'm just the solo host, but we will talk about that in a little bit. And we're going to talk about how we built this, how we built Britain Co. Um, but Ange, you get to be my guest today. So we're no longer co-hosts. You're the guest. I'm the host. And I get to start by asking you questions. I want to know what Ange was like as a young girl. Did you know you were always destined for entrepreneurship? I would say, I mean, I knew I was always destined for creativity, right? And I always wanted to bring creative people together and to pull creativity out of people that didn't think they were creative. That was always a common thread. I mean, entrepreneurship, sure. I had a lemonade stand. I laminated the menus. We sold snow cones along with lemonade. Um, So in in that way, I had some entrepreneurial roots. But I think for me, what always got my spark going was around community building and creativity, right? And self-expression. And those are the things that really have carried me through my career, I would say. Yeah. And for me, you know, I would say I was an entrepreneurial little girl. I didn't know what that word meant. It's still kind of hard to say sometimes. I really didn't know how to spell it for a while, even (laughs) though I was the fourth grade spelling bee champ. Thank you very much. But I always wanted to invent things. And I thought I wanted to be an inventor when I was little. I literally had a list in my room of all the things I would invent when I grew up, including the thermal alarm 
which is a mattress that warms up to wake you up gently instead of a blaring alarm clock, which by the way, is an actual thing I sleep on now today. Not that I didn't make it, but it's a thing. It's called the (laughs) eight sleep system, if anyone's interested. Also the cereal cup. It's a way to drink cereal from a cup because it's so annoying to use two hands to eat cereal, especially (laughs) if you're on the go. So all these things were my inventions. And then I fell in love with computers and technology. And I was like, I got to get to Silicon Valley ASAP. This is where all the cool shit's happening. And, And that was like in the 90s. So I was sort of ahead of the curve then. But But it still was scary to get started. And I have to say, you know, for me, I had spent a few years at Apple and Google and kind of gotten my MBA in business and tech. And finally, I felt ready to start a company. And that's where you came in. I know. So I think, you know, while you were sort of riding that tech wave, I was trying to figure out how creativity could be my career. So in school, you know, I majored in philosophy and studio arts, super practical. (laughs) Did things like I was the editor. Lots of jobs. Lots of well-paying jobs for those careers. I was like the editor of the feminist art magazine. I was a radio DJ. I was the vice president of a social house. You know, did all of these different things that involved community and creativity, but still was like, am I going to be an artist? How is that going to go for me? I ended up doing two years of art residencies where you basically live in artist communities to just make things. And that was cool, but I was also like, I need to figure out something else that I can actually do. So then I worked in an ad agency and realized that so many creative people worked in ad agencies and then had these side hustles. But side hustles weren't a thing then. I mean, they were totally worth. It just wasn't a term. And people were, you know, selling t-shirts on weekends. They were taking art classes at night. And so I started to do that too and realized that there was this hunger that so many people had for finding those creative outlets. And so I think that I always knew that's where I would go. But whether it could actually be my career is what I didn't actually know until I met you, of course. (laughs) Well, and Ange and I were kind of set up, I think, on like a little triple date, blind date situation. (laughs) Our friend Jessica was like, oh, Britt, my friend Ange is moving to San Francisco from New York. She's super creative and like, funny and you should probably meet her. You guys would really jive well together. Maybe let's all go to dinner. And I was like, okay, sweet. Because back when you didn't have kids, you just did that a lot. And <laughs> and pre-COVID and all yeah, the things. Pre-pandemic, pre-kids, pre-marriage. <laughs> pre-marriage. Yes. So I was 25 and you were 27 yes. at the time. And we went to dinner and just kind of like hit it off. But we didn't think we were starting a company. We just were like, cool, that, that girl was cool. Maybe we'll hang out sometimes. Do you agree? You were actually still at Google at the time. And I think you were exploring, were you going to do this next thing? What does it look like? And I had just arrived in San Francisco and was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. (laughs) And so, yeah, we were on our triple date. And I actually remember afterwards saying to my husband, like, that brick girl seemed really interesting. You know, like, I wish I would have gotten to talk to her a little bit more. Like, she seems to have some curiosity and some cool ideas. So we went on our own ways after that dinner. And shortly thereafter, I just kept getting the entrepreneurial itch more and more. I had three ideas that I was debating working on. And as we've come to know, this is a big thing that a lot of new entrepreneurs go through. Which idea is the best one? How do I know which one's for me? So I just started working on all of them. One of them was a hotel concept, like Airbnb style. One of them was a super analytical 
biofeedback app for your own health and fitness, way nerdy. And the other was a brand all about inspiring women to be more creative. And that resulted from my wedding, actually, which was summer of 2011, when I guess because I was unemployed, I had left Google for a couple months at that point. I was just making everything for my wedding. And I was using this brand new site called Pinterest to post all the things I was making. And I had developed a little following there. And all the women were so inspired by what I was posting, but they kept telling me like, I wish I could do that. I'm not creative. And I started getting angry because I didn't feel like I was creative, but I did it. And the internet had exposed all these ways to make and create and do things, even if you've never tried before. And I really wanted to give all women that courage and that access to do the same thing. So I started the company. It was August, 2011, August 16th to be exact. But it was really just me at the time. And I'd saved up a few months of my Google paychecks to afford me six months time to either figure this thing out or to go back and get a paying job at Google. I decided to go all in on this one, largely because a few friends of mine after my wedding were like, Britt, this is you. This is what is embedded inside you. I know you think you can make a lot of money doing these other businesses, but like, do you really want to spend all your time working on like body analytics and health analytics? Or do you want to spend your time investing in women to make them better versions of themselves and to further the world by championing women forward, which I feel is truly your calling. And I was like, huh, you're right. I think you're, I think that's the calling. And I was like, I need help. I need a co-founder. And our same friend, Jessica, that introduced us was like, why not Ange? She might be available. And I was like, but she just got a job at this startup. And she was like, you should just chat with her over coffee. So I did. We went to Starbucks and literally I brought a job offer with me to Starbucks. Right, Ange? Pretty much. And then what happened? Well, yeah, I get this email in my inbox that's like coffee question mark or something like so simple, you know, without any idea where it was going. And I was like, oh, that girl Brit's reaching out to me. Okay. You know, and she said, oh, I have this creative project I'm working on. Would love to pick your brain or something, you know. So I had no idea that I was going into something that would then become a decade of my life. I was like, oh, sure. She knows I'm creative. We, you know, have some friends in common. We'll chat, et cetera. And yeah, she came in and said, here's what I'm working on. Do you want to quit your job and start this thing with me? I'm hitting publish next week. Or maybe it was even tomorrow or something kind of insane. And, you know, I said, oh, let me think about it. (laughs) For a few hours, I thought about it. (laughs) And then got back to her pretty much immediately over email and said, yeah, let's do this thing. I am in no way committed to the job that I'm working on at the moment. And, you know, had no responsibilities, wasn't even married at the time. Let's just do it and see what happens. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Yeah. And I was sort of like, sweet, she's in. Like, I didn't think of it as like this wild, monumental roadblock I'd conquered. I was just like, sweet, I need help. And this is awesome. And she seems great. And, you know, at the time, just for anyone listening who might be starting a company of their own or curious about how that works, I had probably spent, you know, $1,000 on the legal incorporation. I remember I spent $5,000 hiring a web developer to get the site up. I was using all my own tools like cameras and stuff to create content. And I was not paying myself a salary because I couldn't afford to. I had to spend that money to hire people instead. And so I remember telling Ange, I I can't pay you that much, but I'll give you some equity and let's do this together. And she was like, sweet, let's do it. And so off we went. And that was December of 2011 when you joined. And we then had an amazing decade together. And so I kind of want to talk about the pivotal moments of the last 10 years, because I think for anyone listening, there's so much that has gone on. We tried so many things that worked that didn't work. We experimented with all kinds of ideas. We met so many people. We reached so many people. What do you think were some of the most pivotal moments along the way? And when do you think we had kind of our pinch me, oh my God, we made it moment? The most pivotal moment was when we stopped working in our apartments. (laughs) In my apartment, to be specific. And we rented another apartment to be our office. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. So with Britain Co., if anyone knows... We have cooking content. We have DIYs we do. Like we needed access to a full kitchen. We couldn't just rent an office space. So we had to rent an apartment as our office. We needed a home to help people live creatively in their homes, right? Exactly. Perfect sense. We had to set up photo shoots of like dining tables and bedroom scenes and things like that. So it made total sense to make a home our office. And I'd say, you know, we'd started in this apartment. We're shooting... And then we decided to launch Brick Kits, right? So we wanted to put all of the materials you need for one project in a box because we found that that was the biggest barrier to creative entry with a lot of our DIY projects. I don't know where to get beads. I don't know where to get this specific E6000, the best glue ever. Take note. Pro tip. Uh, (laughs) And so we thought, okay, well, let's order a bunch of supplies and start boxing stuff up. And I remember that felt like a really big risk because everything up until that point we had created was digital right? We could put something out in the world and edit it after it was live. You know, we could put something out in the world and update the photography because we finally got a real camera. And this felt like, okay, we're going to actually buy materials and hopefully people are going to order these things. (laughs) And then we're going to ship them to someone's house. Like that felt like a huge risk to me. You know, like, is it all going to work? Are they going to be able to do the project? And we launched with a subscription actually. So not only are we you know, hoping they buy it once, they were subscribed to a 12-month subscription of a surprise kit every month without even knowing what they were going to get. And I just remember packaging materials in, in our office apartment, ordering extra items and supplies from Amazon, running to Target or Michael's because we ran out of, you know, whatever beads we needed. And it was super, super scrappy. I probably made, I mean, the margin was terrible, right, for that first kit. I think it was like 20%. And if that. <laughs> and then speaking of moving into the physical world and like the many moments, we also launched events like two years in, not even two years in, maybe 18 months. We felt really 
passionately about a physical version of this digital brand because so much of what we were preaching about was like doing things with your hands. And we wanted to meet our you know, followers and users in real life. So we launched Remake, which started at like a few hundred people. It was a conference and a maker festival all thrown into one. But four years down the line, that thing was like 15,000 women at a time coming out, which I think intersects with probably the most pivotal time of the Britain Code journey, which was like early 2017. Do you remember this? We were just closing our Series C financing round, like that Disney was part of mm-hmm. and Verizon. And that was a huge win, at least for me as an entrepreneur, like to get my favorite brand ever was an investor. That's insane. You know, we had 15,000 people coming to our events. We had 15 million people on our website. And then what was the cherry on top, Ange? Because I know you were also about to explode with your baby, but this was another baby we were birthing. Well, actually, so leading up to this moment in 2016, I went as a pregnant lady to Minneapolis about 10 times in a year because in 2017, we launched at Target. And this was like this crazy pinch me moment. Like, how is this real? Are people going to buy our kits? I mean, you still always have that moment, right? Like, okay, here, here we go. And, you know, we had the most beautiful packaging and we spent so much time on product development. We had the most talented product designer and working with this amazing partner to make it all happen. And it was just, I remember that my daughter was born on March 10th and the kits launched at Target on March 12th. And I remember like being glued to my phone, like, you know, seeing customers and people in our audience finding these kits on the shelves. It was just so incredible and so amazing to think that first kit we packed in the apartment led us to this moment. And it was just, it was so powerful because it was so real, but it still felt like, okay, here here we are now. You know, how do we do this? Totally. So around the same time as the Target line coming out, we had recently hired editors who were super talented in categories like career development, adulting, which is still a category now, social issues and all of these different things that weren't in the realm of creativity as we had known it. But we had realized that the sort of crux of what we were doing, sure, it started with DIY and creativity, but was about unlocking potential and encouraging our audience, encouraging our community to try anything, right? To find their own path, to forge a new creative chapter for themselves, whatever that means, right? A side hustle, a hobby, or a totally new career. And so it was really cool to kind of see that develop and how we could carry those themes into everything we would create in the future. Yeah. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that most women get scared to try new things. Most humans get scared to try new things. Everyone has a hurdle. Everyone has an edge. But the beauty of life comes when you push right up against that edge and you find the edge gets longer. And that is what personal growth and development is all about. And that's what we are trying to convince women of. And so we launched classes. We created a subscription to the classes where you can get all 130 of them for 10 bucks a month. We saw millions of women start enrolling in these programs to develop their skills. And when the pandemic started, it went bananas. I mean, it was just proof that We as humans, when we get bored, sad, frustrated, angry, 
turn to creativity, turn to learning, turn to personal growth, turn to self-care. And we had developed a brand that supported women in that. And later in the pandemic, roughly May to be exact, I started noticing that women were disproportionately getting impacted by COVID in their careers. They were getting laid off, furloughed, or forced out of their jobs because they needed to stay home and care for their kids. And Ange, I'm sure you will agree that we both felt like we could do more to help. We knew a little bit about how to make money. <laughs> you know, we'd done some significant revenue in our day. Like, why couldn't we just go help these women make their own money? Why couldn't we push them to that edge once again and convince them to start a company? And the birth of our second brand, Self Made, happened in June 2020, height of the pandemic, as a 10-week course to convince women to start or grow a business. What did that first course mean for you, Ange? What were the takeaways you had? I mean, we were definitely flying by the seat of our pants, I would say. It was almost like a different kind of pinch me moment. <laughs> but it was this moment where I realized it's actually what we had been working towards this whole time, right? We had been collecting experiences, successes, and failures to be able to share the entire experience with anyone who needed to believe, right? Anyone who was willing to learn. And it felt like this really great opportunity to make a massive impact on a small community of women, you know, that's growing each course. <laughs> but it was really, really cool because it wasn't about traffic, right? It wasn't about uniques. It wasn't about like, get all the eyes on this that you possibly can. It was, let's work really closely with people to help them realize their business dreams. I mean, it has been so inspiring to be part of because it's like everything was leading us to this point, I would say. Yeah. And the course itself, you know, it's 10 weeks long. It's live. It's not like a recording. We are there to chat with 24-7. We bring in coaches. We bring in like the whole girl gang of badass business ladies who have been my mentors and your mentors from creatives and artists like Joy Cho and Rebecca Minkoff to people that have taken companies public like Julia Hartz from Eventbrite, Pyle, who's close to going public with ClassPass, Stacey Brown Philbot with TaskRabbit, Gwyneth Paltrow is joining our next one. Like, it's just like, there's so many amazing women that have come together to pay it forward to this next generation. And it meant so much to me, to your point, to think about a few hundred people at a time rather than tens of millions, even though it didn't have as much significance, quote unquote, to like the public sphere, because not everyone was obviously doing it. And, you know, to be honest, we had just gone through a year of a really hard time. Digital media after the 2016 election got really tough. You know, Facebook changed algorithms, Instagram changed algorithms, everyone's changing algorithms, traffic is getting crazy. So therefore, the advertising industry was crazy. The advertisers were spending way more with Google and Facebook than with publishers. And our revenue was like all over the place. It was really hard to build a profitable company. We had to restructure the team two different times. We had to deal with bad press. We had to get the company profitable and start to regrow it again. And, and then the pandemic hits and we're like, cool, thanks universe. But self-made was this like beautiful blessing that came out of nowhere that happened when we were literally just following our intuition about what we could do to solve a problem and a moment that needed it. And I think to this day, that is the same advice I give to anyone starting a company. Like what is lighting you up inside with 
anger or joy or some kind of very strong emotion? And how are you meeting the moment we're in right now culturally to go solve a problem? And we did it. And now we're like almost a year into it. And it's been the most incredible thing ever. And now we have two brands to keep up with. But I think the most important part for your journey, Ange, was that you had your own self-made moment while you were going through the second version of this course. Well, I would say, you know, the funny thing over the years, long before self-made with Brit & Co. is that, you know, we encourage all of these creative activities. We encourage you to learn new things side hustles. We've had plenty of employees leave us to start their own companies. Like so many, we're so proud of it, right? It's always like, we end up featuring that. (laughs) We sell their product at our events, you know, all of this stuff. And it's always been this like, oh, dang, you know, you get the, hey, Ange, can I chat? Oh, you're going to go, you're going to do that thing. And I'm so psyched for you, right? And then I had that moment, (laughs) which was, you know, through doing self-made, I mean, it lit me up so much. It made me feel so, so stoked. Like, this is where we were meant to be. Like I had said, like, this is where the journey had been taking us all along. And I think, you know, in coaching people and helping people get into growth mindset and to get over self-doubt and to dive into the unknown and get uncomfortable, I realized while I'd had plenty of uncomfortable moments and hard business learnings and so on over the last decade, you know, I have been comfortable. I've been in this beautiful universe of Britain Co. where I was surrounded by things that I knew and understood and, and continue to communicate around and decided that it was my time to leave, you know, and to figure out what does my unknown look like? What does getting out of my comfort zone look like? And knowing that I could do so with the support of the Britain Co. team and community and Brit, of course, who at this point, you know, 10 years later is more family than co-founder or friend. And that was my self-made moment. I was like, it's time. It's time for yeah. us to part ways, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually was incredibly hard. It's sort of like a divorce. It's like a very amicable It's the divorce. conscious uncoupling. Oh yeah, that's a better way to put it. Thanks, Gwyneth. (laughs) But like you can see, like we still hang out COVID safely and we like pick up where we left off. It's it's an incredible thing. And so if anyone out there is ever thinking of having a co-founder, just know that while it might not be the rest of your life, like this person can be incredibly impactful and meaningful, not just for your business, but for your personal life. And will always be a sister to me. And I'm so excited. She's also coming back to self-made. She's going to be helping teach content strategy and branding. And, you know, she's actually also an advisor to many of these self-made student alums that we have. And she is just the best. So I always appreciate you, Ange. All right, now I want to move to the top 10 things we wish we knew when we were starting this company. I think this can be really helpful for all kinds of professionals, but also especially for entrepreneurs that are just starting out or just growing their company or people that are potentially entrepreneurs. So I'll start by saying something controversial, which is you don't always need to hire so many people as full-time employees, especially if you have a seasonal business like ours. You can hire contractors that are part-time. You can hire people for a few hours a week. You can scale them up and down when business is good versus when it's bad. 
And ultimately, you get to work with so many more people than you would originally if you only had enough budget for like three full-time hires. You could probably work with 10 instead of three. And that's exactly where we've come today. So something I wish I knew about was I didn't even know that seamless photo paper existed. We were using poster board and like extending backgrounds in Photoshop, which was just insane. And then the other thing I didn't know exists that relates to photos is clipping services. So whenever we shot products, you know, I would go like, it would take hours in Photoshop clipping everything out to put it on a different backdrop, but you can just send it into a computer world and the internet will do it for you. (laughs) Yes, we love Canva these days. It's like our savior. Number three, Google drives way more traffic than social media. So all of you people out there trying to build your Instagram accounts and your clubhouse and all the things, sure, it's important. It's good for branding and like networking. But if you're actually trying to drive traffic, go to Google. We didn't learn this until like three or four years ago. (laughs) And our traffic totally changed. Okay, the fourth thing is that Mega Press or, you know, Girlfriend Brit over here is on TV all the time. And while it's great, it's kind of a flash in the pan in terms of your actual business. So it doesn't drive traffic. It doesn't really change much, but it does get you a lot of brand recognition. So it's it's not insignificant. Okay, number five. It is possible to develop a best friendship with a co-founder. I know I already said this, but we weren't originally close friends. We had met each other one time and now we literally call each other like sister. We don't say that to each other. That'd be weird. But like we say we're like sisters. I'm not like sister. Hi. Yeah, sister, sister. (laughs) Well, okay. Tia and Tamara have like nailed the sister thing. I know. We wish we could be them. It would be be amazing. That's a separate story. All right, so number six is reaching a small niche with a focused offering can be more rewarding than a mass audience. So we definitely had the do everything, serve everyone syndrome, (laughs) you know, early on in our business career where it was, oh, like, but now these people want this, like, let's offer all these other things. And, And those can serve as distractions. And I think that we've learned that if you can be really good at something for a very specific group of people, that is an amazing way to start. Totally. This one I will fall on the sword for because again, like young, naive founder, just like everything seemed exciting. Um, But you truly just don't have enough hours in the day to put your time and attention to five things. You've got to pick, you know, one or two key priorities and move forward. Number seven, e-commerce. We have so many learnings about this. We've literally tried it all. So I'm going to go quick. Licensing is so much easier than manufacturing, especially if you want to get your brand out there. Dropshipping is so much better than holding inventory. This is like what Etsy does. You know, you order directly from the maker and they send it to you. Etsy's not holding that inventory. Selling digital goods is way easier than selling physical goods. You can literally make money while you sleep. You don't have to even ship it. It just comes to you in an email. And the last point I would make about e-commerce is that a healthy subscription business beats e-commerce hands down every time. If you have people that are willing to pay you every month the same amount or more, that's awesome. You don't have to go out and chase new customers every single day. So always think about building a subscription business if you can. 
Okay, number eight is I would say fellow founders, especially women founders, are super down to help each other out. I think you can have this idea when you're starting out that you have to go everything alone and figure it out yourself and everyone's going to want to compete with you. And it's just not true. I mean, there's a reason that collaboration over competition has become such a buzz phrase of the moment. And it's because women are running businesses. Women are leaders of businesses and everyone wants to work together and support and lift each other up. I think we've seen that firsthand with Self-Made. You know, Britt and I have both reached out to so many people in our network and have said, you want to guest teach a class? You want to do a Q&A? And everyone is down to share their story and get really raw with the details of how they've built their business because they want to help others succeed. Yeah, for sure. I love that. That's been so impactful for me in this last year, especially with self-made. All right, number nine. This is for anyone that's a manager out there, but don't cancel a one-on-one. I know you're busy. I know you have stuff to do, but move it, change the time, but try not to cancel it if you can. You know, a lot of people really just need a check-in emotionally, even if they don't have agenda items to review. So it's even just worth a five-minute chat if you can spare it. And number 10, my favorite holiday, Halloween, is the number one most creative holiday of the year. I mean, we went into this thinking, oh, weddings, birthdays, milestones, and OMG, Halloween is our Super Bowl. It is the time that everyone makes everything. And it is so much fun. It's also just cool because I think it's the one day every year where people drop their creative insecurities and just have fun. And that's the whole point of what we've been trying to convince people to do this whole time. So we feel really redeemed on Halloween when we see all this creativity coming out. Okay, so Ange, what do you think is next for Brit & Co? Do you have any predictions, manifestations? Oh what do you gosh. see in our crystal ball? Let's see. In my crystal ball, I mean, I'm very enlightened right now. You know, all I do is go into the mountains for multiple hours a day. It's incredible. I have no to-do list. So I am sort of a sage at the moment. Um, I would say, you know, I think continuing to really hone in on coaching people to follow their path. And I think self-made is an incredible way that Brit Co. is doing that. And I think that will continue to grow. And I think we're affecting so many lives in a really different way than ever before. So. I don't know that it's a prediction, but it's a hope and an optimism around what's going on at the moment. Oh, well, I appreciate that. And I am equally excited about continuing to grow Britain Co. and Self-Made as educational brands for women that are actually like not boring educational brands. They're like super fun, entertaining. It's like your girlfriend next door that's a little bit smarter than you <laughs> that's teaching you how to do stuff or maybe your older sister like... We want to be that for every woman out there and we want to push them off the edge, like I said. And so to the extent we can do that in different ways, maybe there are more brands, maybe it's Britain Co. self-made and a new thing. I don't know, just for moms or I don't know, who knows? But I'm excited about all the directions that that singular mission can take on in the future. But we're going to stay focused like we told you to do. We aren't going to do that anytime soon. We are doubling down on all the things that are working right now and trying to do less of the things that aren't. And what is your favorite mantra or words of wisdom that you think every dreamer out there needs to hear right now? So I would say it's a combination of two, right? It's keep going, get started, and also take a breath. 
I think the hustle is so much about go, 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 say yes to meetings, say yes to opportunities. And I don't think you hear enough how often you need to take a pause and allow yourself space. And so whether that means building space into your weekly routine or your daily routine or meditating in the morning for even five minutes, I think finding space is actually where you'll have those moments of epiphany and those moments of spark that will help lead you into great things. So it's a little bit of do it all at once and also pause. What about you? I like the pause. So I'm looking at a piece of art on my wall that I specifically put next to my desk every day so I can read it and remember it. It's one of my favorite quotes. And it's, a ship is safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships are for. And I think too often we as humans stay in our comfort zone. We do the thing every day that just feels like the thing we should be doing or that people expect us to be doing instead of venturing out into the wild ocean in a storm (laughs) and learning how to get stronger and tackle the waves and grow. And that is what I hope everyone can take away from our story. 25-year-olds, we were in our mid-20s. We didn't know what we were doing. We had never done this before. And 10 years later, we have a profitable company that is continuing to inspire a lot of people. And most importantly, filling me up every day with everything that we're doing to change lives. So... With that, thank you, Ange, for being here today. I hope everyone out there will pick one thing to do this week that feels a little uncomfortable. And if you want to join Britain Co. on our next journey, once again, you should sign up for our 10-week course. It's called Self-Made. We will go live with you. We will hold your hand. You have access to me personally for 10 weeks and beyond if you join the alumni program. And all you have to do is go to tryselfmade.com to get more details. You can follow us at Britain Co. on basically every social channel. You can follow me. I'm at Brit on basically every social channel. And you can follow Ange. She's at Angelica Temple on basically every social channel. So. <laughs> And thank you. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. It's so fun to be back in the virtual booth. Yes. Well, definitely come back soon. I miss co-hosting with you. And if anyone's listening, you have to check out all of our episodes from 2020 because Ange has a phenomenal podcasting voice and (laughs) hopefully she will be back in the future. All right, everyone out there, go dream big and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Find more information about each episode at Britt.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media. I'm at Britt or follow us at Britt and Co. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Allie Ives and Allie Perry with additional production and sound design by Mark Lemmerjazy and Aaron Peterson. 